0: these minds of ours are something that we need to look after and take care of and um some people ask where do our minds come from and what are they about um and all of the actions that we do the good actions the bad actions they all are concerned with our minds because our minds are the leaders It's like the minds are the masters and our bodies uh, just follow the order of the master. They're the servant. So whatever the mind orders, then the body has to follow and go. So just like coming to the monastery, the mind gave the instruction to the body and the body followed. So the mind is what informs or instructs our bodies to do good things or bad things. Um, and these bodies just have to follow the orders, the instructions of our minds. So some people ask the question, "What is the mind, the jitta? And Lumpuchar he answered that the jitta it isn 't anything. it 's nothing at all, but it, what it is, if we want to describe it, is the knowing element it's just like we have these other elements which follow in line with nature and the mind is the element that knows when any sense impression arises the mind receives that so having functional eyes and ears nose tongue body then there'll be the uh, contact with that the forms the sounds the odors the uh, tastes, and tactile sensations. And when there's contact with that, then those messages get sent to the brain. And the brain then uh, connects with the mind, or the mind receives that from the brain. So the brain, it's still um, an issue of our physical bodies, but our minds connect with that in order to receive these sense impressions. Um, And so, when we do receive that in the mind, then there'll naturally be a reaction to it, a response, one of aversion or attraction. So some people ask as well, this mind, this knowing element, how did it arise and where did it come from? When was it first born? We see that there are many minds of humans in the world and even more minds of animals. The minds which exist in the hell realms are numerous and so are those in the heaven realms, and the Brahma realms. But all of these minds are um, lokiya jittas, the minds that are trapped in the world and so they have to um, carry on spinning spinning in the cycle of sangsara. If they do a lot of good actions, then they'll go upwards um, to the deva realms, the brahma realms. But when the fruits of that goodness runs out, then they'll have to fall, often to the human realms, but maybe even lower than that. So becoming and birth, that goes on without end. Um, and we can't uh, find a discernible beginning to it or a discernible end. The mind just carries on in the cycle of sangsara. So it carries on going um, as long as we're stuck in this realm, and we won't be able to find any beginning or end to sangsara because it's so long. if our minds carry on creating karma, this intentional action whether it's good or bad, then they'll be stuck in this cycle of samsara and just keep going endlessly because this karma leads to the results, the consequences of that karma which in turn increases the defilements of our minds and it keeps this cycle spinning when where this knowing element receives various impressions, um, then it's normal for it to respond to that with greed, hatred, or delusion. But if those defilements are more than what's common, if there's a lot of wrongdoing that the mind creates, then after physical death, the heart will be reborn in a place of suffering, one of the realms of deprivation. But conversely, if there's a lot of goodness that we've made, or if um, at the time of death the mind attaches to the good things that we've done, then after this physical death, the mind gets reborn in a heaven realm. So this is heaven or hell after the breakup of our physical bodies. If the mind is in a very collected state and in mental absorption, then you get reborn in one of the Brahma realms. So, the state of the mind just prior to death is very important because this is the point where we change realms of existence. And if um, we've created a lot of goodness. I'm sorry, very little goodness in our lives. But just before death, we can recollect um, some of that goodness. Then it's possible for the mind to still go upwards, to go to a good place. But it's difficult to do that. When it has exhausted that goodness, after not too long, then um, it'll have to die from that realm and fall downwards, maybe into a human realm or even lower than that there are some people who have created much goodness in this life but just before death they have unskilful thoughts and that causes them to re-arise in these realms of deprivation but once the karma of that has been exhausted then they'll go upwards to one of the heaven realms so at this point of death we need to take great care and we also must train our minds prior to this as well so that we can experience a liberation in the present moment, a freedom from any wrongdoing. So we free ourselves from this wrongdoing and from the consequences of that wrongdoing and instead just create as much goodness as we can in our minds. We take these minds um, and use them to create goodness, to develop a lot of parami. And as we do that, the mind will gain worth and value. Um, And this is all something that we need to create here and now in this present moment. As we carry on doing that, when we do die or after death, um, the mind goes to a good place. Some people also ask... When we die, does the mind just vanish? Does it um, just become extinguished? And is there really results to the good and the bad things that we've done? If people see um, or have this view, this is a wrong understanding of the way things work. It's mithjaititi. Some people also have the view that Having been born as a human in this life, what that means is that every single life after this, you get born on the same level. But that just isn't so. This is also wrong understanding or wrong view. So the Buddha, when he was enlightened, he came to know these things. And us having been born into this world, then... We try and follow his teachings. Because every birth that we take um, follows the karma, the actions that we create. So these actions are of three kinds. There's the actions through speech, through body and through mind. And we must take care around all of these three kinds of kama. Care to just create good kama. And if we have this faith and belief in the teachings of the Buddha, then we should put our efforts into following those teachings. Um, soon after, or the period after the Buddha passed away, I went into final Nibbana, there weren't any Buddha images that were created and no one dared to create an image of the Buddha. So instead, people would respect the Dhamma or they would pay homage to Bodhi trees and use these as objects of veneration. But later on, um, people did start to uh, mold and um, bring into creation Buddha images. And this was first done by the Greeks. It was King Melinda, and he um, had faith in the Buddha Sasana. Um, and so he um, started to create and produce Buddha images that people could uh, pay homage to. King Melinda had great wisdom, but he also had a teacher, um, Nagasena, who had even more wisdom than he did. And whatever questions uh, King Melinda asked him, he was able to answer. With King Melinda having such great wisdom, uh, many people were afraid of him. And the great Brahmins uh, of his time, they all fled because they were afraid of his questions. And even the Arahants of the day, they didn't want to meet him either because they would just uh, get fed up with answering his questions. Even though he, they had pure minds, they didn't want to um, busy themselves with uh, answering all of these, these problems or issues. So they wouldn't want to meet him. But whatever questions uh, King Melinda asked... Nagasena, he was able to answer all of them. He was able to relieve all of his doubts. And this was a cause for him to gain great faith in the Buddhist religion. And this then led on to him creating and making Buddha images. Some of them were from clay, some were carved out of wood. Others were uh, molded um, from metal. And they were all for the purpose of recollecting the great and beautiful qualities of the Buddha, the Buddha's great purity, uh, his great wisdom that he was able to destroy permanently all of the defilements, and his great compassion that he built the Sparami through countless lifetimes. And also when he had gained awakening, he went out to teach our beings, the Dhamma, And so this is the ways that we recollect the goodness of the Buddha. Some people, when they bow to Buddha images, they also make a request. They ask for things as well. Um, They ask for protection. They ask for great wealth. Um, But if they haven't created the karma and the paramitas to receive those things, then they won't get them. The Buddha had the kindness to teach the Dhamma, so we should just um, follow the teachings of the Buddha. So some people have a lot of debt, and they plea to the Buddha to um, be free of that debt. But really, the Buddha had given us um, help in this matter already and we shouldn't be asking for this because the Buddha already taught that getting ourselves into debt is a great source of suffering in the world. So why would we do that? If we follow the Dhamma, then we don't need to ask for help. The Buddha has already given his assistance, given his guidance in his teachings. People say that they're going through a lot of suffering and they ask for the Buddha to relieve that suffering, but really in a way he already has, because he taught us where suffering comes from, that if there's ignorance, if there's clinging and craving, then that will give rise to suffering. And he taught us this path, this noble way that leads out of suffering through sila, samadhi and banya. So what we have to do is follow this path and we'll receive those results. So recollecting these three great qualities of the Buddha, his great purity, his great wisdom, and great uh, compassion, Um, we then uh, use those to give our hearts energy, um, to bring up faith, to follow these teachings. These Buddha images are symbols um, that... We can focus on to bring up faith and give us a sense of security, um, something that we can hold to in our lives. And if the beings or the people who create these images have a very uh, high quality or purity of heart, then there'll be a special sacred energy that imbues these images as well. So when people worship them or They um, have amulets that they wear as necklaces or they keep on themselves. Um, This is a means for recollecting the goodness of the Buddha, the Dhamma and Sangha, that we have this as a refuge in our lives. And when we recollect that, then we try to follow the teachings as best we can. So King Melinda had... Um, the great fortune to meet with a teacher who had more wisdom than he did, uh, this teacher, Nagasena. And there's a story about um, him as well, that he was born um, into a Brahmin family. And at that time, there was an arahant who uh, went into the the absorption of cessation, and he would spend a lot of time there, and so much time that he wouldn't uh, gather with the rest of the monks. And even the official monastic ceremonies or uh, the official meetings like the Moka, he wouldn't join in with those. So the other monks, they laid down a punishment for him for not coming to these meetings. And this was that he needed to teach this child of the Brahmin family. They saw that this child um, had great wisdom and would grow up into a great being. And so his job or his punishment was to teach this child. So what this Arahant did is he would walk past the Brahmin's house on alms round every single day. And every day without fail, the Brahmin... the father of this child, would scold and shout at the arahant, this monk, and say, what have you come here for, you bald-headed monk? I'm not going to give you anything. You don't know how to work. Other people, they go out and they farm the fields, they plant rice, or they plant uh, fruit orchards, or they engage in trade, and they know how to make a living. But you, you don't do anything. You just um, walk around with your bowl. <clears throat> so I'm not going to give you anything. And every day without fail, the, this arahant would walk past the Brahmin's house in arms rounds, and he would get shouted at and scolded. But one day, the brahman forgot to shout at this monk, or he lost his energy to do so. He thought that, well, this monk comes past my house every single day, and I... So expend all this effort shouting at him every day. Um, so, And he still comes anyway. So maybe I'll just stop shouting. Maybe I'll just let him pass. And so he did so. He was able to let go to a degree. The next day, uh, this monk, the Arahant, he went on alms round again. And when he passed the house of the neighbour, Uh, to this brahman. Uh, The owner of that house, this this brahman's neighbor, came out and he asked this monk, why do you carry on going on alms round to this house every day when you don't get anything? Now I've asked the brahman what he gives you and he says he doesn't give you anything, so why do you keep on going? And the monk answered that he did get something, but yesterday he did gain something. The next door neighbor to this Brahman was confused then because um, he had asked the Brahman what he gave this monk, and the monk said nothing, or, or the Brahman said nothing. But now this monk is saying that he did get something. So he was thinking that his neighbor had lied to him. So he went over to his neighbor, the Brahmin, and asked him, Why did you lie to me? I asked this monk uh, what he got from you, and he said that he did get something, but you told me you give him nothing. This Brahmin was then furious because he thought the monk was lying. He thought that summoners should have a better standard of conduct than this. They shouldn't engage in lying. And not only is he just this useless beggar, but also he doesn't have any morality as well. So the next day, um, or that night, he uh, stayed up the whole night thinking about how he was going to shout at this monk when he came on alms round the next day and telling him that he is just this useless liar of a monk. So when the monk, the arahant, passed his house on alms round, um, before he started shouting at him he asked him first why did you lie why did you tell my neighbor that i give you something when i don't and the monk responded that well you did give me something that yesterday or normally i go on arms around every day and you shout at me but yesterday i went on arms around you didn't shout at me and that was a gift that you gave me so in india um, especially the brahmins Um, they can be very wise. And so this Brahmin was able to see that this was actually a wise monk, that he'd been on alms round for three months, um, coming every single day for three months, and he hadn't given him anything. Um, But the one day that he didn't shout at this monk, this monk was able to um, take that as having gained something. So... From this, he started gaining faith in this arahant, and he started to offer food on arms round. And the child, the son of this brahmin, uh, turned out to be Nagasena, um, and later on he ordained as a samanera, as a novice, and he was very intelligent. He um, learnt the uh, the Pitaka, or the three. Uh, baskets of the teachings uh, with great proficiency. And even as just a young novice, he was able to do that. He also, at one point, gave a dharma talk to an old layperson, um, describing how all physicality and mentality is of uh, the nature to be inconstant and unsatisfactory and not self. And from this dhamma talk, this lay person attained a sotapanna. But then the novice Nagasena reflected on this. And he thought, well, I'm not yet an arya. I'm not a noble being yet, but people become sotabanas from my dharma talks. And this gave him a sense of uh, dispassion or disenchantment, disillusionment. So with that, he then went into the forest and sought out seclusion and uh, dedicated himself to his meditation practice until he gained gained full awakening. And he became very skilled um, in many things, skilled in the Dhamma, um, to the point where he was able to teach even King Melinda. He was able to reduce this king's conceit He was able to teach the king about the nature of the mind. And so King Melinda asked him, how does the mind come into the womb? And he was able to answer this question uh, very well. So these minds are important. They're the leaders. They're what lead our lives. So us having taken birth, we should contemplate the nature of the mind to get to know them. And also get to know all the things that arise in the mind as it's happening. Are our minds getting involved in liking or disliking? And if they are, we should train them to not do so. Where do these minds come from and where do they go to? If we really get to know our minds and understand them, then we'll understand the answers to these questions clearly as well. So I ask for everyone here to grow and develop in the Dhamma.